Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Do you have your special glasses to view the eclipse yet? Or are you planning to close the windows and blinds and focusing on good thoughts during that time? Your answer might depend on what your tribal traditions are. Most tribes have stories or beliefs around what is a rare but significant celestial event. We'll get a sampling of some of those beliefs today on the show. We'll hear about it right after the news. is National Native News. I'm Jill Freitas from KMBA in Anchorage, Alaska, filling in for Antonia Gonzalez. As the Guatemalan government prepares to use force against the unprecedented uprising led by indigenous groups, thousands of citizens in that Central American country are still joining actions against what they see as attempts to block a reformist president-elect from taking power. Maria Martin reports on the second week of the uprising against corruption and authoritarianism in Guatemala. Busloads of new protesters entered Guatemala City this week from the largely indigenous provinces of San Marcos and Huehuetenango. The protests and the more than 100 blockades across the country are only getting bigger in the wake of recent statements by President Alejandro Chamate. In a nationally televised speech, the outgoing president said protesting Guatemalans who have virtually shut down the country were, quote, poquitos. There are only a few, Jabate said, of the hundreds of thousands out in the streets and highways. At the major crossroads called Cuatro Caminos, indigenous TikTok influencers, the Pacheco brothers, sent a message in response to Guatemala's president. Somos poquitos! We are many, says Rafael Pacheco, and we'll continue to fight the corrupt government. As the protests grow, tensions are rising and violence has broken out in some places. Outgoing President Chamate blames President-elect Bernardo Arevalo for, quote, encouraging the protesters. Arevalo, whose presidency many believe Chamate's government is trying to block, says the government is using infiltrators to incite violence so that it can declare a state of siege. For National Native News, I'm Maria Martin. Nationwide, millions of barriers, like dams, make it hard for fish to move freely and lay eggs. Now the federal government is spending more than $200 million to reopen spawning grounds for fish. That includes an effort to recover an endangered species that's sacred to the Pyramid Lake Paiute tribe in Nevada. The Mountain West News Bureau's Caleb Radel reports. At the Pyramid Lake Paiute Reservation in northern Nevada, rolling mountains cloaked in pale green sagebrush unfold for miles like a painting that never ends. Standing at an overlook in these hills is the tribe's chairman, James Phoenix. He's watching the Truckee River rush over Numana Dam, an irrigation diversion. As a kid, Phoenix fished in these waters for kiwi, sucker fish that aren't found anywhere else in the world. Bringing them to shore and then cutting filleting them, that was what my dad had taught me, uh, and I got to experience, you know, uh, that's how he was taught when he was young. The tribe refers to themselves as kiwi takata in their native language, which means the kiwi eaters. But tribal members stopped catching them back in the 1980s as the fish population plummeted. A big reason for the decreased fish population is this dam. It was built more than 100 years ago to divert river water to the reservation for farming and ranching. But it's been a barrier for migration of the endangered kiwi 
and threatened Lahontan cutthroat trout, another fish crucial to the tribe. Phoenix says the previous tribal council discussed removing or modifying the dam, but kept running into the same hurdle. A lot of funds weren't available. That finally changed. The tribe is getting more than $8 million from the bipartisan infrastructure law to modify the dam. The money will be used to build a large underwater ramp stretching from bank to bank so fish can swim up and over the dam. The project, which recently broke ground, will reopen 65 miles of river for their migration. Phoenix says that will impact more than the tribe's culture. It's important to our economics. You know, we rely on tourism and fishing, so we get a lot of anglers that are coming in seasonally, so it's really big for us. For National Native News, I'm Caleb Radel. I'm Jill Freitas. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Drummond Woodsum, a full-service law firm whose nationally recognized tribal nations practice provides services to tribal nations and their enterprises and to companies that do business with tribes across the country. More at dwmlaw.com. Support by Vision Maker Media, envisioning a world changed and healed by understanding Native stories and the public conversations they generate. 45 plus years of Native stories and Indigenous knowledge through film and media can be found at visionmakermedia.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. A lot of people will put on special dark glasses tomorrow and go outside to witness the annular eclipse. Many Navajos won't be among them, though. That's because traditional protocol is to avoid looking at the eclipse and consuming food or water during the event. Instead, it's a time for reflection and prayer. Tribes across the globe have different beliefs and stories connected to those rare and awesome moments the moon covers the sun and its shadow passes over the land. In this hour, we're getting indigenous perspectives on eclipses, and we'd like to hear from you. If you're in the shadow path of tomorrow's annular eclipse, what's your native eclipse plan? What does your tribe think about eclipses? What did your elders or cultural teachers tell you about the eclipse? Call in, share as much as you'd like. We're at 1-800-996-2848, and our phone lines are now open. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's go ahead and meet today's guests. Joining us from Marble, North Carolina is Carrie Holloway. She's a library aide at Snowbird Community Library. She's also a citizen of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. Hello, Carrie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Joining us from the base of the holy San Francisco Peak in Arizona is Janita Bonali. She's the executive producer of Indigenous Youth Nation. She's also one half of the band Sihasin. She's Danae. Janita, welcome back to our show. You've been here before. Hey there, Yate. It's good to be here. Good to be amongst relatives. Yate to you as well, Janita. And your father is also with us today, Jones Benali. He is a Danae elder, a musician, a healer a champion hoop dancer, and a traditional medicine practitioner. Jones, 
Welcome to Native America Calling as well, and please, Jones, feel free to further introduce yourself in Navajo. Um, I like to uh, uh, talk about uh, what we uh, traditional way to care on. We help the people. It's very important. We share some of the things that uh, we all like. It, uh, a trip is very um, important to know we all the people be affected by uh, a, a trip. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jones. I appreciate that introduction. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce our next guest, Jones, and then we're going to go back and we're going to talk to you a lot more about the the Navajo perspective of the eclipse. Uh, But first, I want to go ahead and introduce uh, our fourth guest, Barry Wesley. He is joining us from the Bighorn Stony Reserve in Alberta, Canada. He's a traditional knowledge holder and a consultation officer for the Stony Nakoda First Nations. He is Stony Aisha. Very welcome to Native America Calling, and uh, please feel free to give us a traditional greeting as well. Good day, everyone. My name is Barry Wesley. Um, I'm a stony Ieska, uh traditional holder and consultation officer. I'm glad to be here, and... Yes, and I will share my views from my right. traditional perspective. All right, wonderful, Barry. It's it's great to have you on the show. It's great to have all of our guests. And I'm going to go ahead and lead off today with Carrie in North Carolina. And Carrie, I know that the eclipse, it's not going to cross over uh, residents in North Carolina. It won't see the full eclipse, but... Eclipses are, are a big part of your Cherokee traditions, and uh, tell us what types of cultural protocols there are for the Cherokee around the eclipse. Well, I learned yesterday, and I cannot go any further without mentioning her name. Um, Kathy Littlejohn is one of our most well-known storytellers in Cherokee. She's based out of Cherokee, and if it wasn't for her and her info and then the late, great T.J. Holland, who worked over at the Journalist Museum, if it wasn't for their knowledge, I would not be able to do this today. <laughs> but I did learn yesterday from um, Kathy that it's it's not as much as desolate as I thought it was, and it's not really a celebration. It's more, it's Cherokees make sure that they went out because they um, thought something was wrong, so they make a lot of noise to keep the eclipse from happening. So it was interesting to learn the full story of it. Well, tell us more. Uh, any interesting stories or historical narratives uh, yes, with regard to had, eclipses? Yeah, um, and I'm referencing out of uh, one of James Mooney's book, um, not only from the knowledge that Kathy gave me, but James Mooney has an incredible book. Um, it's the History, Myth, and Sacred Formulas of the Cherokees, and there's different versions of this book. But he talks about um, the moon, the Cherokees. Some of the older Cherokees believe that the moon was a stickball. There was a stickball game being played, and one of the leaders from one of the teams, um, if you don't know stickball, then you know that you can't pick up the ball off the ground and throw it. 
you have to um, use your stakes. You got to be able to run it through the goals. So the legend is, uh, the story is, is that he picked up the ball and he tried to throw it towards the goal, which is of course cheating. When he threw it, it got stuck up in the sky, and now the moon. Uh, where they thought it was a stickball, it remains in the sky as a reminder to all stickball teams to not cheat. And now they were formally, now they play at the time of the full moon. So that way the moon can be watching over, the stickball can be watching over. And now whenever the sun or moon is eclipsed, the Cherokee believed that it's a great frog had come up in the sky and was trying to swallow it. And they believe now that in the time of an eclipse, that is when Cherokees know to go out to keep the frog from swallowing it. They go out and they make a lot of noise. They go out and they beat their drums. They yell. They scream just to try to keep it from swallowing it. So whenever you see the sun and the, or the moon continuing to pass, sun comes back out, you know you did your job. You know that the, <laughs> frog, the frog didn't get a tasty treat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a fun story. And just for our listeners that might not be familiar with uh, the traditional game of stickball played by Cherokee and other uh, southeastern tribes. We actually did a show about stickball here on Native America Calling. You can check it out in our archive. The show was on January 2nd of this year, 2023. So uh, learn more about stickball. And today we're learning about the eclipse as well from a Cherokee perspective. Carrie, I really like that story. Do you have another one? Well, she was. it was actually a funny one. She was telling me about um, Kathy Littlejohn, who was telling me about uh, the last, I believe it was a full solar eclipse years ago or several years ago, and everybody could see it real well. You know, the weather was clear. NASA was actually holding a contest to be able to, like, hold events in certain areas of the country for the eclipse, and the Great Smoky Mountains National Park held an event. They went up to uh, what most people know as Clingman's Dome, and they had an event up there, and she said her and her husband Leroy was up there, and she said, you know, they, they went over the whole spill. They closed the road down, and they let they had spectators that were allowed to come up. They had people that were not enrolled, you know, just to see, you know, what was going on and to learn. She said, we told the legend. We told the story. And when it comes time for the eclipse, we told them it's like, you know, Cherokees, they make a lot of noise. They start yelling. And that's what her and Leroy did. And she said, but it was still so quiet because it was just us two yelling. <laughs> <laughs> and so she said, no one else. Like they were, uh, she said, I don't know if they took it seriously or what, but it was like we were yelling because that's what our ancestors believed believed in to keep the frog from swallowing it. And she later found out, she said that the Welcome Center in Cherokee actually was holding an event too. It was, of course, they were on top of the mountain. This other event was in Cherokee down at the bottom. And she later learned that at that event it had locals, they had drummers there, they were beating on their drums. So she said, I found out that's when the sun came back out and it wasn't covered anymore. She's like, they were the ones helping us carrying it through. <laughs> so if it, was, if it wasn't for the ones down in the valley, she said, who knows where we'd be today. That's right. That's right. Now, yeah. I think I remember that eclipse because, as I recall, um, the Cherokees, you folks even made your own glasses. Like you could go to the tribe and get branded Eastern Band uh, eclipse glasses. I remember those. Again, this is this is one where our tribe just it didn't shy away from because of our legend. So it was, let's get out, let's go look at it, and then you know your job whenever it, whenever it starts to happen, you know what you got to do. What were you doing? And what were you doing during that eclipse? Do you remember where you were, Carrie? I was I was at my parents' house because I was I can't I don't believe I'd started working with my tribe yet. And I remember being at uh, my parents' house with my nephews. We had our glasses. 
we have pictures of us and watching it. So I got to watch the whole thing. It was really cool. And how dark did it get? Do you remember? It got dark, but it was more like, like right at dusk, right, right whenever the, the sun goes down. Like uh-huh. you can still see. It's like I think we all thought it would be pitch black <laughs> until <laughs> the sun got covered up, and it's like. No, it just looks like somebody closed the blinds. We're okay. <laughs> <laughs> and could you hear like the crickets start coming out and stuff it like that? It did get quiet. It did get quiet because everyone is very, we were all interested in it. So it did get really quiet in the sense of, of just taking it in and just seeing the awe of it. And I hate knowing because I didn't know this story, this legend at the time, So because we, we were all quiet. So if it wasn't for Cassie and Leroy at the top of the mountain and those in the valley in Cherokee, it would have definitely swallowed it on my family's part. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carrie, uh, really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing that that culture, that history, as well as your personal perspectives and experience with an eclipse. Uh, Carrie Holloway, Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians, a uh, library aide there at the Snowbird Community Library. And for those of you folks that might not be too familiar with uh, the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians, the Snowbird Community is this little outlying community. They're not right there in the main Kuala Boundary Reservation, part of Cherokee. They're out about an hour uh, west of there in, in a community, uh, Graham County, which is a very interesting, very traditional community there, Snowbird community of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. We're going to go ahead and take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Janita Banali and her father Jones, and we're going to learn more about eclipses from a Navajo perspective. And of course, we have Barry Wesley as well. He's up in Alberta, Canada, and he's going to share some of his knowledge as well. So folks, stay with us. Take a short break and we'll be right back. Whether it's violence at home or an unexpected natural disaster, traumatic events influence how students perform at school. A growing trend is aimed at better understanding that trauma and responding in ways that might help the students succeed in the long run. We'll explore trauma-informed education on the next Native America College. Now's the time for all children over six months old to be vaccinated for the flu. Here's Dr. Sandy Chung, president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, with more. It's okay to get both COVID and flu vaccines during the same visit, and it's often the most convenient way for busy parents. Children who are vaccinated for flu are 50% less likely to go to the ER. Visit HealthyChildren.org to learn more. The American Academy of Pediatrics supports this show. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're hearing about tribal views of eclipses. Most of the lower 48 states will have a view of the eclipse. The most complete eclipse will be visible in a swath in the west and southwest, including the Navajo Nation. What's your native view of the eclipse? Give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. If you have a story about an eclipse, a historical or a cultural story, or maybe just a recent eclipse that you witnessed or your plans for tomorrow's eclipse, where you're going to watch it, what you're going to be doing, let us know. Phone lines are open, 1-800-99-NATIVE. And let's talk a little bit more about the, the Navajo Nation and how the eclipse is going to impact the Navajo Nation and its citizens. And we have Janita Benali on the line, along with her father, Jones Benali, a Diné elder who is 90 years old. And Janita, tell us, uh, what are you going to be doing tomorrow during the actual eclipse when it hits? Yeah, so during the eclipse, 
um, we will actually be in reverence. We have a very strict protocol as Dine that we follow. And before I go into that, I want to introduce my clan um, so that way people know who I am and where I'm coming from. So, Yat E, She Janita Benali Yenishya, She Be Lichi Inishle, Ado Anani Torichini Bashish Chin, Naka Dine Dashanela, Ado Polish Oyegi Dashiche, Zitlitin de Nasha, Akut Ego. So I introduced my clan for my relatives out there because it's really important that people understand that we're talking not only as Diné, but first and foremost from our clans, because every clan has different teachings. And so we have to, um, we always have to honor uh, our family teachings and our clan teachings. So during the time of the eclipse, we will be in reverence. We know that there is a sacred event that's taking place between the sun, the moon, and the earth. And during that time, we don't eat, we don't drink, we don't sleep. Um, we are very calm and uh, we take that time to be in reverence. There's a lot of different protocols that we follow. And depending on one situation, if there's say a pregnant couple, um, they, you know, they have to be very strict as well because the eclipse can also affect an unborn child. So there's a lot of different um, nuances for us as Dinesh, as the eclipse is passing over that we will be observing. All right. Now, will you be inside during the eclipse? We will. will. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, painting a picture, um, who, what we will be doing as a family, as as three generations, is we will be inside. Our windows will be covered. Um, we will. Um, we're not. We we avoid being in the shadow of the the sun and the moon. Um, we don't look at it, um, and. I, I want to also mention that a long time ago, you know, that sometimes people were out sheep herding or they were, um, you know, in, in the shack or, or wherever, but they were outside. And there was also observances for people who were outside as well. So it's a time of reverence. Um, you're not being physically intimate with each other um, as well. So there's a lot that that we that we don't do and after the eclipse there are different things that we we do there's also a preparation as well before the eclipse mm -hmm. now I, I know that the navajo nation has a poster about the eclipse and there is some information online um so are some navajo people a little bit more open to, to going outside and in and, and kind of approaching it more from a western scientific perspective or do you feel that most Navajo folks uh, like you and your father are, are going to take a more traditional approach and, and be inside and use it as a time for reverence and, and prayer, like you mentioned? Well, I want to mention that uh, our traditional ways are traditional sciences. Um, the observances that, that we have are actual sciences that go back to the beginning of time um, when 
when there was when this world first began, and that we understand that the atmosphere of the earth changes, that the air changes. And so when this happens, this affects the plant life, it affects our ceremonies, it can affect us, it can affect the animals. So we understand that this is a science. And I, I really want to just encourage our young people, even, even our elders as well, um, who may not know some of the answers to, to the questions of why do we do these things? Um, you know, why do we use the honishkish? Why do we not eat during these times? I really want to encourage people to ask these questions because this is a science. These are mm -hmm. traditional indigenous sciences. If we do not ask questions, then our traditional sciences become superstition. They become taboos, and they are not taboos. There are particular reasons as medicine, as traditional medicine people, as traditional scientists, that we follow, that we observe this time as a reverent time. Uh-huh. Janina, traditionally, how did Navajo people know when an eclipse was coming? Did were they able to determine that? Did they know and have preparation ahead of time? I'm thinking three, four hundred years ago. So when when people people knew that eclipses were coming because our medicine people were abundant um, before boarding schools, before um, you know, before forced assimilation, our medicine people, our traditional sciences scientists were abundant. Now it's much rare to find someone, but when somebody was preparing for a ceremony, you knew when you couldn't, when you could or when you couldn't, because you had to plan. And in that planning process, you have to check ahead what's happening, um, what's happening in the world with, with even with the celestial beings. Mm -hmm. oh, this is fascinating, so Gia. So that, so that would be through like, so that would, that preparation is actually through our traditional diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of which, um, your father, who's, who's there with you now, Jones Benali, in his 90s, what would he like to share about his knowledge of the eclipse with our listeners, Janita? Shazam? Despair and important on this, we live on this world. Everything's controlled us by by, by everything, the earth, the sun, the air, and the waters, they control us. We're from there. You know, when you go to sleep, you're tired when you go to sleep. You wake up. How 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 you rest all up? Next week, next day, you're fine, ready to go to work again. But Allah is completely very sick. Every one of us all over the world are brother and sister. That's why we uh, we care on these are uh, a trip is very important, it's danger for us, every one of us. Yeah, pet by it. Sometimes we eat and uh during a play, you be fed by it. You sleep, you be fed by that. You look at it, you be fed by that. You look outside the watermelon, something outside, or heat the 
the light when they doing a clip, they all affect by the all eliminated danger. Even the animals, everything is like that. Uh, you see that the people, um, the son of like the the kids that they're born with, they like cut off the lip. A cleft lip. That's 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 where they come from, because they go to sleep together with their wife pregnant, and then then the, here the baby go they born that way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things we did it to son of the ceremony for repair, son of the not. So uh, then I, the also was only my people like that. Then I traveled all over the world. We had the people. We had the same problem, every one of us. The people live in the pill the rest of their life. Fascinating. Janita, do you remember as a child uh, any eclipses in being with your with your dad and, and just what he told you and what he shared with you? Absolutely. Growing up, we observed in reverence the eclipse, and, and that's what we'll be doing tomorrow as well with my children. Um, you know, I, I, I also want to mention that my father and I will be talking more in depth on Facebook tonight um, because... What's really important to understand is that we have a very delicate um, relationship with our Mother Earth, our Father Sky, the celestial beings, and that this is about health and well-being for us as 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 human as human beings. And so we're going to be talking more in depth about our cultural teachings and the observances. I actually had a, quite a few. Um, Quite a few relatives who were calling and and asking, "What do we do? We know the eclipse is coming. What do you know? How should we prepare?" So I was like, "You know, maybe I should just do. Maybe we should just do a family Zoom." And then we had more people who were not family members, and so my father and I just decided, "Well, we'll just do a Facebook Live, you know, because it's important to to understand this information, and then one can make their own decision." I know that there's a lot of people who are non-traditional. And and there are people who are traditional, but it's important to respect one another. It's really important to respect our ancestral ways, our ancestral knowledge, and our ancestral sciences, and call them sciences, because they're not taboos, and they're not superstitions. They're not fables or myths. These are our sciences. Janita, Dark Winds, of course, you know, the, the popular hit TV show that takes place there, the Navajo Nation. This past season, one of the episodes, uh, there was an eclipse, and I don't know if you saw it or did you see it? Did you get a chance to see that I, episode? I I'm, didn't. I don't have a lot of time to watch TV. Okay. I'm just curious, I'm just curious your perspective on that, like if you felt it was, it, it was an accurate portrayal of, of the Navajo perspective of an eclipse or... Or maybe your dad could talk a little bit more about uh, what to expect tomorrow, what people can can expect there on the Navajo Nation. What can people expect on the Navajo Nation, Shisha? What can people expect with the eclipse? Just uh, what we're talking about is that the Navajo Nation is the we carry on old traditional way. 
we still contact the natures and everything which uh, create us. That can be give us a lift. What we if we can see what can we do, we help them. We did the ceremony to see who we work we work with, <clears throat> with them, the nature, even the earth and everything. There is a special place, big connection. <clears throat> Today, look like they're controlled by the government, but it's not. The really control is but in all the creators and and then the one that they they make us we still with us still protection. That's the we go back and they help us for our life. So then I find out it's not only our people. The people are all all over the world, Chinese, African people, and white people, you name it. Everything is a fact we found out. That's why we talk, we, we uh, uh, be, be, be cautioned for everybody. It can be affected by us, but we don't know that because today we will follow technology. But it's not for our life. Is it got nothing to do with that? Mm. And I'd like Thank to you, just, if, if I may, just echo real quick that you know, as my father's talking about, that we belong to the natural world, and that we are governed by the laws of Mother Nature, of Father Sky. That that this is this is our realm, and during this time we respect and we give reverence. Janita, could, could you have your dad um, for our listeners? Uh, how do you say eclipse in Navajo? Could he share that with our listeners, please? How do you say eclipse in Navajo? Eclipse. Um, is that the shares covered as that their earth is both sides like moon and the sun the same way. So when they on the ceremony they remake the sand painting to shot they they making then then they be the they given the medicine so what all set by you know new sanitation when they gave it the ceremony here and uh, they gave it medicine and new sanitation they all batten batten the earth just like just like that. And that's that's all it is. And uh, too many people, even the kids, young people, are fed by today. They don't listen. They have a lot of problems. So we find out all that. We do the ceremony to find out, see what, what, why the people they come to us. Why, why these people see. We said the same on the phone, exactly what the problem. 
I'd like to add to that as my dad's talking about doing about um, the holistic healing and doing ceremonies to repair uh, when somebody has seen the eclipse or or done something like eat or drink or had personal intimacy during the eclipse, things like that, that we also talk about the pictures, like looking at the pictures, looking at the video, just because. Um, just because it's been captured by technology and it's being viewed at a later date does not make it less of a sacred event. It is a sacred event. And so we don't look at the pictures. We don't look at the videos. We don't um, look at that actual sacred event as it has been recorded. Okay. Thank you for that clarification, Janita. We're going to take another short break and we'll be right back. Stay with us, folks. Support for journalism that raises the awareness of child well-being to citizens and to policymakers provided by the Annie E. Casey Foundation, building a brighter future for children, families, and communities. Information at aecf.org. Does your club, institution, or other group need custom-branded apparel? A wide variety of T-shirts, hoodies, and much more, all custom-printed or embroidered, are available from nativescreenprinting.com, a division of Skyscreen Printing who support this program. We are glad to have you along on today's episode of Native America Calling. I'm your host, Sean Spruce, and I would sure like to hear from some listeners about your plans for tomorrow's eclipse. Are you going to be outside? Will you be inside? How does your Native tradition provide other guidance for what to do during an eclipse? Feel free to weigh in by calling 1-800-996-2848. And let's take our first caller of the day now. We've got Chanupa. He's listening on Keeley up in Pine Ridge. Hello, Chanupa. What are your plans for tomorrow during the eclipse? Okay. And to the grandma or the grandpa and his daughter. Back in 2011, the spiritual uh, eclipse came back. And when it came back, our elders told us that the spiritual awakening will come back. And it'll be upon us for 13 years. And so when it came back, it came back in uh, 2013, and we're still in it. And then in the next three years, it's going to go away. But I wanted to thank them, acknowledging that, because a lot of them don't eat. But in the spiritual awakening, you have to start preparing for the futures to come in. That's what they said in our culture. So thank you for having this episode. And from Kili. I love you, Sean, and keep up the good work of exposing a lot of our truthful, you know, kinships of our oral tradition until the the brother and sister, the the, grand, the grandpa and the, his daughter, from the Lakota Nation. Ha-hoo. All right. We love you too, Chanupa. Thank you for calling in. Uh, he mentions a spiritual awakening. And uh, Janita, I want to just, before we move on to our next guest, uh, Barry Wesley, I'd like you to go ahead and uh, and just comment on what, Chanupa said, Janita, and, and do you and your father, Jones, do you, uh, do you enjoy hearing about other tribes and their perspectives on eclipses and other types of celestial events? Yeah, I, I just want to thank the caller. Um, thank you so much, and thank you for, for sharing that, that piece of traditional knowledge and, and that understanding. It is so important for us to share amongst, you know, our people this knowledge. At one time, before, you know, pre-colonization, the pre-boarding 
the protocol. Everybody knew so much more about how to be with an eclipse, how to understand it, all of the different teachings, because there are different eclipses that take place. There's some that give, there's some that take. And as practitioners, you learn about this and you understand it. But this knowledge used to be abundant. And so thank you so much. Um, our, our relative from, from listening in on Keeley, we appreciate that. All right. We are, we are brother and sister and all over the world in Bikin. From there, we'll be uh, everything controlled by, by the nature. And uh, we work with them in both sides. So it's very important we share our culture to the other people all over the world. Because we we all live in the same world, we have one another, every one of us in this world. Okay. Jones, thank you so much for taking the time to to share your wisdom and your cultural knowledge with us, Janita. You as well. Really appreciate both of you. A wonderful, wonderful conversation. And our next guest, Barry Wesley. Again, he is. Uh, Joining us from the Bighorn Stony Reserve in Alberta, he's a traditional knowledge holder and consultation officer for the Stony Nakoda First Nation. And, and Barry, I, I want to welcome you again and thank you for joining our conversation today. And I understand that Alberta residents will see a partial eclipse. And tell us a little bit about the traditional protocols and traditions that you folks have in place to prepare for that. Thank you, Saul. So with us, uh, the moon uh, eclipse, we say Wahiamba uh, meaning the moon changes. It changes. Just like you and I, we come to a point where we change. So during this time, all living beings change as well. You know, let's start a new beginning. So meaning all the animals, the birds, plants, even the weather beings. As uh, the moon in our in our culture, he's he's the little brother to the sun. Wahiamba, Amba Wahiamba. So he changes. He controls the whole Mother Earth of the living beings so that's that's our beliefs and and today we are in october so october is anuk ogipa that's how we say it anuk ogipa means two seasons come together or come to meet winter and summer so during this time the summer is gonna transfer the weather for the next six, seven months to the winter. So during this time, the moon eclipses, and it, it, it's only it happens most of the time. The eclipse happens fall, 
or springtime. So with that, you know, this year we the eclipse is going to take place further south from us. So in our beliefs, we have four corners, a guidance that sits four corners. And we have four seasons. So the eclipse occurs on each corners. So in this case, it's it's one it's hitting one of the corners. So the next time it will be on a different corner, and it it cycles, as as our weather has been doing that for a very long time. So spring, fall is the fall is the moon of you're completing summer. Mm. So now now we're starting a new beginning. So everything sleeps during the time of the winter time. Everything rests. That's why the river the rivers freeze up. We have lots of snow. There's no plants growing during this time. And during that springtime now springtime is our new beginning. So that's our new year. The Roman calendar, you know, New Year's is in January, but ours is in springtime when the flowers comes up. So, so that's what we believe, and today we still live. We live by that law. Uh-huh. Very. This uh, is all yeah. really intriguing. I'm really enjoying learning uh, this cultural. Uh, information uh, from you folks up in Alberta. Do you have any stories or teachings about the eclipse that, that you can share with us? Yes. Uh, so so during that time of the eclipse, after, uh, after the eclipse is completed, you know, we do the protocols. We, you know, our elders smoke their pipes. We have pipe ceremonies and, and feasts. We do offerings. So this way, in our in our culture, when when the moon changes, it brings new gifts from Creator. And and in our culture, we we uh, offer gifts as well, so we can receive those beautiful gifts from Creator in healings and all the good stuff that that he brings. So we do our ceremonies after the, after the eclipse. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is just fascinating. I'm just enjoying our conversation so much with all of our guests. I'm going to go ahead and take another caller, Tim, who is up in Bethel, Alaska, listening on KYUK. Good morning, Tim. Welcome to Native America Calling. Hi, good morning. Beautiful day up here in Bethel, Alaska. Um, I just wanted to thank you for your show. I really, really enjoyed listening to it, and as well as as well as um, the conversation and historical perspective and uh, legends and and everything about the solar eclipse. But uh, way back then in the 1960s, I can't remember. Must have I, I was a little boy, and um, it was during the summer. Uh, my mom uh, woke my older brother and I up and uh, told us that 
that means um, the son is going to die. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so she got she moved, uh, she brought us outside, and the solar eclipse was just about to, or yeah, solar eclipse was just about to happen. And then she says that I'm needing to stop That means uh, pay attention, listen, and watch. The, the the all the grass and flowers and everything will wilt and it and they will cry. And um as I as I can recall way back then, uh just watching and listening to uh, what my mother advised us, uh <clears throat> that the plants are going to wilt and cry and certainly I don't know if it was part of my imagination or something to expect, but I did I did experience um, seeing the plants wilt and um, and cry out, and um, it was a noise that I've never heard before. Really, the wailing, yeah, the wailing from the land, the wailing from the from the from the grass, from the flowers, from the trees as they wilted. You uh, could hear you sun. could hear their you could hear their their screams. As they wilted. Yes, 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 wow. yeah. It and was, how old were you, Tim? Very loud. It was not a very loud, um, loud experience. It was just a very quiet, faint wailing. Okay. And how old were you when this happened? I uh, I must have been about four or five years old uh, <clears throat> when we had a total eclipse, uh, because I remember being in the, being fairly warm outside, and then uh, the moon came and covered the sun, and then it got cold. I mean, it really got cold. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> Up in Bethel, yeah. Yeah. And then, Tim, wow. And then as, it, as um, the sun started coming back, the, the plants um, came back from being wilted and down, and the wailing went, went away as well. So wait, wait a second, and, Tim. So uh, they, they went down, you heard them wail just during the eclipse, and then as soon as the eclipse was over, the, the plants came back up? Yeah, yeah. That quickly. The, yeah, the wailing ended, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, <clears throat> okay, Tim. Yeah, and I don't um, know why my, why my mother said that um, we should not be asleep. We should be up and witnessing this time, this kind of event. I'm not sure what, why, okay. why that was the case back then. Yeah, sure, just a, just the, just the perspective, right? Just the, the culture and the and the tradition. Tim, really appreciate you. That's a fascinating story. Thank you so much for calling in, Tim, in, in Bethel, Alaska. I want to go back to, to Barry now. And Barry, tell us, uh, what are your plans for tomorrow? What, what are you going to be doing uh, during the partial eclipse that you'll experience up there in Alberta? So, uh, yes, yeah, so what we do is, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we know that it's it's going to take place, so we would prepare and then we'll do our celebration. We'll do the protocols after the eclipse, knowing that all that whatever negativity, energy, or sickness, anything that is negative is going to get erased. It's going to change into a new beginning. So that's what we're looking ahead for. Okay, so a time of healing, it sounds like. What can you tell us about the celebration you folks will have after the eclipse when it wraps up? So we'll do our, we'll do the pipe ceremony and we'll be singing spiritual songs. We'll be uh, celebrating creator's creation as we believe all 
all creation is a spirit and they have songs. So we'll be connecting with them. And and the young people there in your community, uh, do you include them in these activities and share this knowledge? Yes. So they they are our we say koskabi, meaning they are the workers. They do all the work, and as they do, they learn the ceremonies, how to handle sacred stuff that's going to be used during that time of the ceremony. And and also there's uh, storytelling, so they would hear everything during that time. Mm. Well, Barry, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, Barry Wesley from the Bighorn Stony Reserve in Alberta, Canada. And he is a traditional knowledge holder, consultation officer for the Stony Nakoda First Nation. And uh, they will experience a partial eclipse, a partial eclipse. And anybody that's interested in just learning a little bit more about tomorrow's annular eclipse, if you go to the website science.nasa.gov, the NASA website, they've got a really cool interactive map and it shows exactly where the eclipse is going to pass right over that western swath of the United States, Eugene, Oregon, through northeast Nevada, uh, parts of Utah. It's going to go right through Navajo Nation, Four Corners, Albuquerque, and then on into Texas. So check it out if you get a chance. Uh, folks, uh, wonderful conversation. I want to appreciate and say thanks to all of our guests and callers. Please join us next week for another lineup of discussions about Indigenous topics and issues. We'll start off with a look at how trauma-informed practices might help improve discipline disparities in the classroom. Our executive producer is Art Hughes. Our producers are Andy Murphy and Sol Traverso. Marino Spencer is the engineer. Joe McPolin is the digital producer. Nola Daves Moses is the distribution director. Bob Peterson is the network manager for Native Voice One. Clifton Chadwick is our national underwriting sales director. Antonia Gonzalez is the anchor for National Native News. Charles Sather is our chief operations officer. The president and CEO of Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation is Jacqueline Salee. Have a safe weekend. I'm Sean Spruce. ケシェヤントンヘルトウェルネスアイパチャテアトヤンクワランタビエニキナイヤユパチャテアトナケトンハナタクワイザクナプトイスアーエスビタプシスノフルタプコビッド19ブースターバクシンエラナイケシアフナ
The conference provides in-person and virtual expert training about domestic and international repatriation. Learn how to register at indian-affairs.org. The Association on American Indian Affairs supports this show. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.